This is Kyle Brown, and I'm here today with Mike Vogt with the McMahon Group. How are you doing today, Mike? Doing fine, thanks, Kyle. Glad to hear it. Uh, we are here today to talk a little bit about the best practices for hiring and firing and managing your crew, uh, you know, the ins and the outs of getting your crew in and out. Mike, what's a good place to start? Well, I've always began with the local universities and the local sports teams. We, we used to mine quite a bit of good talent out of there because they're more disciplined and they have an idea what hard work is in the heat of the season. So that's pretty much where we begin to go there. As it goes with the schools and universities in the area, I normally like to talk to the instructors and the coaches. That's great. Once you've got a couple people in mind, you know, what are the best practices for actually hiring? Well, we like to do a telephone interview first and, and try to avoid wasting too much time on both ends, obviously the prospective employee and, of course, yourself, the employer. So a quick telephone interview normally gets to a short list pretty rapidly if you know what to say and you know how to say it. Any particular questions you suggest asking? What I like to do is ask some questions that are kind of open-ended questions for the most part. Oftentimes I'll ask people what was the most difficult thing you ever had to accomplish in your, in your work career. A lot of times you can get a lot of great information and, and just, just let them ramble on if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, can, you can get a pretty good feel for you know, exactly who that person is and, and what difficulties they had and how they surmounted those problems. Are there any particular qualities you'd say to look for just in, in your standard crew? I'd like to try to see if the person has got some good grooming. You know, a lot of people like to come to work with ripped or torn clothes and he's <laughs> on a shave. And nine times out of ten, those people may be pretty good workers, but I think you can sort them out pretty quick when you, when you can actually look at how they groom. And I also worked for one fellow, and he used to say, take me to where your car is parked at the interview. And he used to walk around the automobile and look in the windows and see if there was a lot of wrappers and cans and, and how, the, how the person actually took care of their car. And nine times out of ten, it kind of translates into you know, how that person might take care of your equipment on the golf course. Wow. That's something I never would have thought to do. That's a, that's a great point. Just to change gears a little bit, what about mechanics? Well, that's always been a pretty difficult search for a lot of golf courses, and, and oftentimes you'll see superintendents really struggling with that issue. And my best advice is if the superintendent can, can get to a, a local rental place, a lot of those mechanics are pretty good at dealing with a lot of different problems because their fleet or the size of the equipment that they have to handle is so different and varied. And the mechanics that work there that have success are pretty good with their hands, and they can figure things out pretty well. Another path that I found that worked pretty good was I looked for retired military people. Again, once they've made it through the military and they're retired, they've done a lot of things and improvised in a lot of different ways, and I think that's one of the characteristics we like to look for in a good golf course mechanic. Oftentimes, if, if there's a sticking point on money and you feel that person is the perfect fit for you, I suggest going to the general manager or the board or the owner of the club and saying that, you know, you found this employee that, that's going to make a world of difference on the golf course or in the maintenance shop, and uh, perhaps you can get a little bit more money for this guy. Uh, as, as sad as it sounds, a lot of people are looking for work, but the people that have the skills and, and sometimes the, the wherewithal to take some of these jobs might need a little bit more money in some cases than, than just the, the low-pay minimum wage. 
when it comes to actually getting rid of a crew member when you know things just aren't working out, what are kind of the best practices to the actual firing process? Well, depending on the severity of the infraction, so to speak, I, I think it's important to document all the steps. If it's just tardiness or not showing up to work, I think several progressions through a step process is probably pretty important. Of course, with you know, the legalities nowadays, you know, people want to fight for their jobs, and sometimes they'll go on a legal path and try to go after you just because you know you had to let them go. But if it's documented correctly, I think you can short-circuit some of those problems. What types of documents would you suggest? Well, I think it all starts with a verbal warning, Kyle, and then it goes from there to a written warning that actually let that employee see the warning and maybe have them initial it or signature it and put a date on it, and then, of course, keep it in a file someplace. Another written warning stating that, you know, the next step is termination, and that's, hmm. that's normally how we do it to try to cover our bases, so to speak. Termination shouldn't be taken lightly, obviously. They're uh, pretty traumatic, not just for the employee, but for sometimes for the employer. Oh, sure. In the middle of summer when you, you need to have a crew and you need those those hands, sometimes you have to limp through it. And other times, you know, there's a situation where, you know, that employee is doing such damage to the crew or damage to, to the property that you just have to let them go. So it's a, it's a difficult, uh, very difficult process. Do you have any other suggestions for superintendents that are taking on either of these uh, these jobs? You have to do your due diligence, and, and it just pays so much dividends later on in the season when you really screen your employees and, and make those calls to the references and, and, and uh, pick up the phone and, and check to make sure that they're, you know, they have all the, the proper documentation to work here legally. I think you know, nowadays it, it's such a huge investment in training and, and such a huge investment in, in time for the superintendent to put a crew together each year that so much can be saved if you spend a little bit of time on the front end. And as far as, uh, as, far as letting a, an employee go, I think that obviously should be you know, one of our last resorts, but, but sometimes it's, uh, it's better off if you cut your losses, so to speak, before it becomes a real, a real problem. Deadbeat type of employee over the course of time can be a cancer to the rest of the crew, and it needs to be taken care of uh, either through discipline or retraining, or at, in, the very end, <laughs> in the very end, you'd have to let them go. All right. Well, those are all really great uh, suggestions, and uh, hopefully they'll help out a lot of our supers. But uh, I wanted to thank you for your time. Uh, thanks so much for helping us out. You bet, Kyle. Take care.